Hello, and welcome to the Next in Health podcast. I'm Igor Belokronitsky, a principal with PwC Strategy End, where I get to help leading health organizations with their strategies and operating models. And last week, we had a fascinating conversation about the possibilities that Gen AI brings to pharma and life sciences industries and how it could help drive innovation and affordability and equity. And today we will have a similar conversation about the potential of generative AI for the delivery and coverage of healthcare. So for healthcare providers and for healthcare insurers. And so at this point, you might be asking yourself, does the world really need another podcast episode about Gen AI in healthcare? And I believe it does. And I'll tell you three reasons why. First is the topic itself is a little bit unique. Every conversation that we have with health organization and health leaders out there today, they bring up Gen AI unprompted. And it's hard for me to remember the last time and the last topic that this would happen to where people just ask you about it, whatever the conversation happens to be. The second reason why this conversation will be important is that we ourselves as a firm are not just talking about it, we're actually investing over a billion dollars in developing our capabilities around Gen AI and developing our people around this topic as well and making sure that everybody's ready for the future. And the final and probably most important reason to listen to this is because of the guests. We have two great guests today. They're both returning guests to the podcast. And so we have Shreemurti. He's a director who focuses on developing growth strategies and delivering sustainable digital value transformation for payers. And we're also excited to welcome back Inchitivij, who's a director who focuses on digital-led consumer and employee experience strategies for health systems. So Shri and Inchita, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being back. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Igor. Glad to be here. Excellent. So maybe let's begin at the beginning. Generative AI has received perhaps more than its fair share of press coverage in the past few months. And so tell us about the potential you see for this unique technology in healthcare. And Inshita, let's start with you. We've seen a lot of technologies, right, in the past few years, but we do think that Gen AI is different given how user-friendly it is. It also works with unstructured information like documents. It has the ability to generate new interactive content and improve programmer productivity. It has the possibility to transform patient interactions and experiences with conversational AI. It can improve admin and clinical workflows. We're also seeing cases of nurse co-pilots and physician co-pilots. So we're really excited about this technology. It's not just science fiction or hypothetical anymore. It's here right now for a variety of tasks. And we are already seeing organizations experimenting with Gen AI, while others are rolling out or implementing larger process and workflow transformations. That's excellent. And since you're mentioning that it's not just hypothetical at this point, it's already being used, it's already being implemented, generating value. I wonder if you would give us some examples from the world of providers of health systems and physician groups of how generative AI is already being used today. Yeah, for sure. We're seeing some kind of lower risk, more immediate applications. And then we're also seeing some investment in longer term applications. The more immediate ones are front office, so patient-facing and marketing, 
for content generation based on prompts, parameters, the work that traditionally was done by your marketing agencies or even in-house teams and saving a lot of time there in contact centers really end-to-end with human-like proactive outreach to your consumers, self-service, conversational AI bots, agent assist for knowledge management and post-call summarization. So overall, saving a lot of time for agents and really equipping them to have more meaningful conversations with our consumers. On the clinical or the patient services side, it's being used most immediately to reduce the documentation burden, which we all know has been a dissatisfier for our clinical staff. So scribing, summarization, patient information lookup, And some hospitals are also using it to generate better handover reports and procedures between shifts. On the back office, we're seeing automation of revenue cycle processes. You might have heard automating prior authorizations, denials and appeals management, and even in IT for coding assist, HR, legal functions for looking up company policies. Really what we're seeing is you start to implement it for one use case and other departments jump on. And longer term, it's about providing clinicians that co-pilot to look up clinical protocols or more advanced, even clinical decision support to suggest initial diagnosis that can be verified by physicians. That's a great overview, really helpful, and sounds like there's applications across the entire care delivery value chain, starting with documentation, interacting with producing or interrogating documents. And so let's shift gears to health insurance. And Shri, I know you've been working for a number of years to help health insurers drive affordability of healthcare, make health insurance more user-friendly, take advantage of some of the latest technology. So how does Gen AI change the game and what are some of the applications you're seeing in the health insurance space? Thanks, Igor. That's a great question. There has been tremendous interest within the payer space as it pertains to utilizing Gen AI for a variety of reasons. And primarily, one of the points you mentioned around affordability has been a striking theme with multiple payers. As we have seen with AI, Gen AI as well, payers have been cautious on their Gen AI journey so far, while there is tremendous interest. There are a lot of use cases that are being contemplated, and some of them in proof of concept development across these payer organizations particularly as it pertains to use cases where the risk for the enterprise is low, but the business value is moderate to high. And I can share a few examples here. In front office, we see payers interested in use cases such as generating RFP responses for Medicaid bids and generating marketing and social media content. Because quite honestly, this technology does quite well with knowledge work with creative aspects as well. In the front office, we spoke about some examples, but as you go towards the middle and back office, it becomes even more interesting. In middle office, we are seeing use cases being contemplated around generating draft letters after processing prior auth requests, verifying completeness and accuracy of the documentation submitted as part of provider appeals, grievances, and so on. In this way, clinicians can focus on the higher value add tasks whereas the technology can take care of some of the more routine tasks in the back end. In the back office, which is primarily around like call centers, claims, etc., we are seeing focus around performing contract reviews 
helping members understand their explanation of benefits, setting up co-pilots for claims processors and others within the back office space. The one that I find most intriguing and interesting is the idea of a co-pilot for a claims processor or a call center rep. Think of co-pilot as in the background, can fetch answers for you for questions, looking through hundreds of documents in real time, and really come up with recommendations on what is the next best action for this processor. There's a lot of momentum and thought being put in trying to conceptualize what this would look like. And quite honestly, like there are a lot of parallels in some of these use cases to what Inchita referred on the provider side. And the value drivers for these are primarily centered around efficiency gains. That is, what kind of cost savings can I get by implementing this use case? What's the productivity gain that I see? How does it help improve the effectiveness of the work that my processors do? And taking this one step further now, payers can look beyond their own four walls. Yes, they can certainly and should implement Gen AI use cases within their four walls, but also some of the leading payers already have provider enablement arms to support various physician groups. This is another quiver in the arrow of these payers to support smaller physician groups with some of the Gen AI and AI applications that Benchita had pointed out on the provider side. That's excellent, Sri, again. A great description showing us opportunities across the entire payer value chain and then also spilling over into that very important intersection between the care and coverage between the payer and provider. And I heard you mention this kind of a framework of the many use cases of the many uses that are possible, prioritize the ones that have high enterprise impact and low risk. And likewise, as Inshita was describing all the different possibilities she did not talk about diagnostics first, she talked about it last. And so at some point we will do all the things that are high impact and low risk and we'll start looking at that other quadrant that has even higher impact perhaps, but also potentially higher risk. And so I'm wondering if you would talk about how health organizations can think about the risk posed by Gen AI and how they can begin to manage it for themselves and their various stakeholders. And Sri, let's stick with you with health insurance and then we'll go to Inshita with the providers. Yeah, sure, Igor. So like any new technology, which is still being proven, there are a number of risks and there is a lot of work that we as a firm have done around responsible AI as well. And so really the risks come to some things which are basic in common sense and some need to be thought through with the right sort of framework and approaches. For example, like patient data always needs to be handled with care. You want to make sure the right protocols are put in place there. But as you think about deploying some of the use cases within your environment, there are security and IP risks. So for example, you want to make sure that the data that you are using to train the model is not going out to the external world and it is contained within the four walls of your organization. You want to make sure that whatever outputs come off, that there's an algorithm risk that needs to be managed in terms of understanding the bias, the explainability and the fairness. Explainability is a major concern. And then there are thoughts not only around managing the risks from external perception risks, algorithm risks and explainability, but also financially, you want to make sure that any sort of use case that you're going to go build, there is financial discipline and rigor, 
meaning is there real ROI for these use cases? Is the juice worth the squeeze? And over time, the cost of building the proof of concepts and productionalizing this in your environments will become cheaper. But at this stage, it's worth investigating a little bit more on the financial aspect as you go build the use cases. Yeah, great points there, Sri. And I think all of what you said applies across industry, not only to health system, I would say any industry that's taking on Gen AI use cases or developing a strategy. I also want to say, according to PwC's trust survey of 500 business executives, nearly all of them said that they're prioritizing at least one initiative related to AI systems in the near term. But only 35% say that they will focus on improving the governance of AI systems in the next 12 months. So that's an important point to mitigate the enterprise risk that Tree highlighted organizations should focus on establishing a very clear governance at different levels in the organization. So at the top or executive level, thinking about just your culture, embedding the ethics, the boundaries of AI, and involving your entire organization into the risk and ethics of AI. And governance for selecting and implementing the use cases at the functional level and making sure it has participation not just from IT or digital, but really involving clinical, compliance, legal, operations, and HR. We're seeing organizations think about different operating models for this AI strategy and implementation, such as enterprise-level committees, decentralized function-led AI committees, or even matrixed kind of some form of a combination of these, right, to ensure the right oversight. And I would maybe end with saying that it's also imperative to make sure we upskill and train employees and involve them in thinking about the risks and rewards of Gen AI, right? That should not be an afterthought. Thanks, Inshita. That's a a great point and a great reminder. And I know you in particular work a lot on improving the employee and the caregiver experience in healthcare. And this technology has the potential to further improve it, but also bring some risks. And so very important to consider that aspect and appreciate that reminder. Thank you both for a great conversation and for simplifying and clarifying for us what this technology is, what it's good for, what its potential is for both payers and providers to drive efficiency, to drive experience, to drive better results for all of their stakeholders involved and also for helping us see that we're still in the early days and that all the uses and all the risks are still being discovered and identified. And the important thing to do at this point is to educate yourself about the possibility of the technology and to start putting structures in place to use it responsibly. So thanks for the great conversation. Thank you. It's really an exciting topic. Thank you for having me, Igor. Really appreciate it. Passionate about this topic and looking forward to more conversations on this. Oh, yes, we'll definitely have both of you back to talk about this in the future. For more on these topics and other health industry insights driven by policy, innovation, and care delivery changes, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get all the great future episodes as well as listen to the past episodes. Until next time, this has been Next in Health. This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved. 
PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates, and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.